0: You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to run a successful tournament. And I've ran a ton of tournaments over the last, you know, 14, 15 years of my coaching career, and I've put together um, some some really good things that you may want to include to have a successful tournament. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi. I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball, and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the volleyball by design podcast what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 62 of the volleyball by design podcast how is everyone doing out there today if you are a new listener welcome to the podcast my name is coach Brian Singh I'm the host of the podcast and thank you for finding me and you know trusting me to deliver some value to you so you can learn and take away what you learned from here and apply it on the court right away. And for my regular listeners, uh, thanks again for tuning in. You know, we got another one for you today. And I got a little bit of a different episode today. You know, instead of talking about the tactical and technical uh, aspects of our game, I'm going to take a step back and let's talk about tournaments. You know, how do we run a successful volleyball tournament? Now, this is extremely important. Um, as a head coach, even... I would say an assistant coach, You one of the things that I learned early in my career was, and this was actually from my mentor, John Spraw, and he said that if you're going to be a coach in this game, well, and a competitive coach, you have to be comfortable with fundraising. Uh, fundraising is an important aspect of any programming. Whether you're a professional coach, whether you are a, a college coach, a club coach, high school, it doesn't matter. You have to be comfortable with fundraising because it is going to play a factor in your program. And to be quite honest, it can create a ton of opportunities for your team by implementing fundraising. And a tournament, an exhibition tournament, is a very simple way that you can fundraise for your team. Whether that's to bring down your team fees, which is the most popular reason to fundraise, or If you want to take a trip to a tournament that's a little bit further away, where there may be flight involved, hotels, you know, whatever other expenses that could play a role, you want to fundraise. So fundraising opens up all these opportunities. When I used to coach club, we fundraised every year. We would do tournaments, we did bowling nights, we did, you know, we did a ton of things. Some uh we did like Super Bowl fundraisers, we did a lot of fundraisers that and that helped with tournament costs. And the, what what's cool about doing these types of fundraising, well, we're, talking, we're going to talk about tournaments today, but it allows your team to do something together as well. It's more of a community thing as well. They get to do something together and you get to take those funds and it positively affects your team. Maybe that's that extra tournament you want to go to that you couldn't have gone to otherwise or whatever the case is. Um, for me, I've used... Like in the in the later part of my career, I use fundraising money to plan really cool trips that wouldn't be you know being able to have otherwise. So that's kind of that's kind of what we do for for, for uh, our fundraiser. But anyways, long story short, if you are a a coach, assistant, or head coach, and you're not comfortable with fundraising, I would get comfortable with it and definitely make that part of your programming. All right, but we are here to talk about what makes a successful volleyball tournament. And how do you do it? And if you are a coach who already runs exhibition tournaments, that's great. Maybe I might give you a couple things you can think about. But if you haven't ran a volleyball tournament, you're thinking about it. It's been something you've been it's been on your radar that you've been you know wanted to try out. I'm hoping you take a lot of takeaways from this episode for that. Okay. Now I do want to dis- distinguish a little bit. That when I say run a volleyball tournament, I'm not talking about sanctioned tournaments where you have you know. 20 courts 30 courts 40 courts and things like that where you know you're getting either a bid to a tournament like a bid to nationals or it's like one of the the tournaments that's organized by your region i'm talking about this is if you're a club team high school team whatever type of team and you would like to host a exhibition tournament to help raise money or you know before the before your turn your regular season starts whatever the case is but there's a lot of exhibition tournaments that happen uh, before season start, and it is a fantastic fundraising tool. So, the key thing about running a successful volleyball tournament, it all comes down to one thing, and that is how are we creating the best experience for the teams that are going to come. That is what everything you do when it comes to organizing and running a successful volleyball tournament stems from that how what are we going to do to create the best experience for the teams coming in because when you do that when you create the best experience one of two things are going to happen one everyone that attended that tournament is going to want to come back and two more teams are going to want to get into that tournament because of the experience that the other teams had, and they probably won't be able to get into that tournament. And when you have a lot of demand for your tournament, you could potentially increase the price of that tournament, generating more revenue for your fundraiser tournament, for your team, for your club, or whatever the case is. So this is where it starts, okay? Now, for the sake of this, uh, this episode, I'm going to assume... I'm going to assume that you have the ability to run a tournament with three courts. Let's say three courts. Okay, if you get a, most high school gyms, you'll have a big uh, main court that you can split into two, and you'll have another court. Most most high schools have two gyms, which you can have two, uh, three courts. If you can have four courts, it's even better. Um, if you can have two courts, this is still definitely. Uh, it's actually um, easier to implement a lot of this stuff if you have two courts. Uh, but most tournaments that teams enter, you're going to have three courts. And the typical standard setup, if you're doing three courts, is either three teams per court for a total of nine teams, or four teams per court for for a total of twelve teams. Okay, so there's many many different ways, and you could do both of those. You can have twelve teams. I specifically me i run a tournament every year actually i run two tournaments but the one that i'm more heavily involved in i guess i i do i take care of all the planning and stuff like that for is um is a four it's a high school tournament that i run every year and it's a four team tournament uh sorry it's a 12 team sorry 12 team tournament and four teams per court all right and that's the way that we run it and it's uh it's it's been a we've, we've always had we've never had an issue with getting teams it's yeah it's Never, ever—it's always that everyone wants to always get into that tournament. All right, so let's talk about how we can create an amazing experience for our teams and how we can have a great, great, uh, successful tournament. Well, the first thing we can do is pretty simple, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh when you hear this, but refs, I want you guys to vet your refs. Make sure that you're not just getting random refs to come to your tournament. You know, it's like a wedding. When you go to a wedding, and they talk about You know, people always like, what do you what do you remember from a wedding? Well, was the food good and was the DJ good? All right, the DJ is all about playing the right music, getting that feel for your music so you can dance and all that stuff. Well, the ref is essentially your DJ. The ref is making sure that the game flows, you know, nice and everyone is, you know, not everyone's having a good time, but it's fair. Kids are learning, and you need good refs and not just refs that know the rules but refs that are willing to take it another step. You know, it's an exhibition tournament, especially if you're doing youth, if they if they see something wrong, explain to the athlete. But yeah, you know, this is this is why I call this. This is what it is. It's a learning thing too. That that that's a sign that, you know, not only are they ref in the game but they're educating the players as well so they understand what's going on. It's not there's no egos up there. So you want to make sure that the refs are well-trained, they're very personable, okay, they're great, great people, and they can do a great job, so don't just call your regional office and say, I need three refs, or whatever the case is, actually find out, get referred refs, refs always referee on the side, Um, they can give you separate prices, whatever the case is, so do that, okay, staff is my second point, so make sure that your courts are staffed appropriately. So now, in theory, you're going to have your team that is going to be staffing each court, right? And if you have a 12, you know, 12 roster, you're going to have in theory four players per court. If you have a 10-person roster, you're going to have three players per court, and one player at one court will have four. Um, but I would recommend a minimum. And if you need to get other players to volunteer from other teams, I would do that. I'd get extra help, whatever the case is. Parents, doesn't matter. You want a minimum, minimum of four people, volunteers per court. I would even argue five. I would argue five players per court. Okay? And uh, before I get ahead of myself, I just want to um, also mention with the refs, actually this ties back in. Let's just, let's just continue with the, with the staff. You want to make sure that you have four to five players per court and the responsibility of these players is, or the, the staff for the court is going to be lines. You're going to have two people responsible for lines. You're going to have a person responsible um, at the scores table. So they're going to be responsible for flipping the score chart. You're going to have a person responsible for keeping this record of the score sheet, whatever score sheet you decide. Now, exhibition tournaments don't have to be super formal. You don't have to have a full roster on there. You just keep track of rotation and score for the most part. So you're going to have one person responsible for that. So that's four people. And then your fifth person is going to be your down official. And this is something not many people do. In the US, my friends, you guys are a bit different. Uh, I think you guys have figured it out that a down official is essential, and it's a great way to have the game flow much better. So you're going to have your, one of your players be a down official. Now, the person that you, desi- that you designate to be the down official is going to be the down official the entire day. So we're not keep switching down officials. So that's going to be, if they're, so if you have five people per court, that one person that's a down official, that's his, that's his or her job for the remainder of the day. And the down official is going to be in, you know, they're going to have to have a conversation with the head official, the up official on on the court to talk about, you know, what, like going over what's, what their, what their responsibility is, what's going to happen and so forth. This is all part of the experience we're creating. Okay, and it's important. I mean, it sounds silly, like oh, why do we need a down official? We only like at our regular tournaments, it's just one up official, right? If you're in Canada, that's how we have it. It that extra, that extra ref reassures the flow of the game to be even better, because they have their own responsibilities, right? When you call a timeout, you call it through them. They're able to monitor substitutions, making sure that they're coming in all right. Okay. They're able to you know, make the net violation call because they can see it from a different angle than the up official. Okay, They're able to look at rotations. They're able to make sure that the game flow is a lot better. All right, so having two officials is always better than one. So five players per court, and also, this is a big one, and this is what I've seen happen a lot of times at tournaments that unfortunately isn't great. Make sure that that staff on that court is engaged, meaning- if you're a lines person, you're not just standing there on your phone talking to a friend on the side. You are engaged. You are watching the match. You are you have a flag, you're putting the flag down, you're putting the flag up, okay? Which leads me to my other point. When you have staff on the court, make sure your staff is equipped with the right tools. Don't have your lines people using their hands to call in and out. That that doesn't add to the experience of the game. Make sure they have flags and make sure they know how to use it. You know, flag up, flag down, antenna, touch. Make sure they know all the calls and they're actually engaged. So when a ball goes in, whew, they hit that flag down. It's, it's official. It looks good. It, it ensures that the game is being ran correctly and efficiently. And that's what we're all about. And it's also adding to that experience of the game. Make sure you have a conversation with your players about being attentive. And making sure that they're engaged with the game. They can take a little break after each set, sure. Talk to their friend or whatever. But when the game is on, they are dialed in. Okay. You know how many times I've spoken to coaches that said, Oh, we used to go to this tournament, but it was ran by the players and it was just like it was this. And you never know if a ball is in or out. They're not paying attention, this and that. They just seem like they don't care anymore. It it actually it it matters. I I talked to a coach Recently, he used to go to—not going to um, I'm not gonna say the name—but they used to go to a university tournament, <clears throat> and the players used to also ref and take care of the courts and stuff like that. And they were saying that the the, the refing was just terrible, and it just—they would never go back again and again. See that right off the back, they wouldn't go back because the refing was terrible. It wasn't a—it had nothing to do with the venue. Like they're in a university gym, beautiful, beautiful facility. But they wouldn't go back there because of how poor the experience had when in this particular case was with the refing. So that's why I spent a lot of time talking about these two points. But staffing, refing, very, very, very important. Equipment, making sure they have the right equipment, make sure the score table is set up right and stuff like that. Which leads me to my next point. Point number three. Make sure the venue is. Very clear and concise on where people should go, where things are located, all right? And make sure it's set up perfectly. So there's no question. Make sure it's set up on time. So, you know, normally tournaments are starting at 9 o'clock. Make sure at 8 o'clock teams can start getting in there. The chairs are organized appropriately for teams to be on their bench. The scores table is ready to go. The nets are up. Antennas are up. Ref stand is ready to go. Flags are at the table. Everything is perfect, clean, and ready to go. Okay? I, this may sound like obviously well of course I'm going to do that but you'd be surprised I've been into tournaments and they're still setting up and players are coming in you know they the, the chairs are not right and, and you know they're not like the ref has to say move the benches back or move the chairs back and things like that and you don't want that experience you want you want it to be perfect everything's clean done ready to go okay now one other thing about venue and space making sure that it's organized what I would also recommend, now this may not be possible for everyone and it's not a deal breaker if it's not. but if you have access to a, a good solid three courts where there's enough serving room on all three courts, you know sometimes when you split one of the bigger courts into two, the serving space diminishes a bit. And that's okay if that's all you have to work with. It's better than nothing. But if you have the ability, maybe in your club, there's always that one gym that the you know the better teams get to play on or whatever the case is, or you could rent a nicer facility that doesn't cut into your costs too much, I would consider doing that because a lot of times, especially for the younger age groups, um, they want to go to nice gyms to to play, they want to go to gyms where there's an, where there's enough serving space, and that's one of the that surprisingly talking to coaches. That's one of the things they consider when going to tournaments. Is, well, I go to this tournament because it's a nice facility. I have a lot of serving room, you know, things like that. They say those things, and it matters. It 100 percent matters. So I, I would look into the, the the gym that you have that you're going to use and make sure it, it, it checks off. And again, if you can't afford it, that's another conversation. If it cuts into the budget too much, fine, it's not a deal breaker. But I would definitely have. Um, some of that, you know, if you have access to it, I would definitely do it. My fourth point, music. Yes, music. When teams are coming in and before the first games, okay, music, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, music should be on. They can have music during warm. up. They can have music during first five or your whatever the warm-up protocol is with the ref. They can have music. You can have music on until... They're about to blow that whistle for the first serve. So, until nine o'clock, you can, in theory, have music. So, have music going. Get them excited for the day to start, you know? Get the guy, the guy, if the the guys and the girls, whatever, the teams are coming, most of them have their headphones, anyways. That's normally because there's no music, or they want to have their own music, which is fine. But, it just adds to the element of, the, of of your experience that you're creating, okay? So you have music in the morning and I would also have music playing at, at lunch. So once all the teams have stopped playing for that lunch break, throw on some music as well before the playoffs start, all right? Definitely, definitely something that I would, I would do. Now, just to go back to, we're gonna talk a little bit about the flow of the game, but in terms of the staff, make sure that, You know when your staff, and again, you already had the conversation. They're focused. They're on. Make sure when the game's over, they immediately go to the score chart, or uh, is it yeah, the the score table, whatever you want to call it, and fill it in right away. So you're going to have a master pool play set up outside in the in the in the hallway or whatever, where it shows all the scores of all the games going on on all the courts, and a a nice little playoff bracket, and you're going to rank it. Okay. Make sure they are they're attentive, they go do it right away. Now, here is something you may want to consider getting done too. This is what I do. So you can pay to get a uh, the, the pool play, like instead of putting it on like a chart paper, like many people put on a chart paper, you can go, and there is lots of companies that do this, and put it onto a board. So you can have the teams, and if the teams, you can have them send you their logo ahead of time, or you can just go on the website and get their logo, send you their logo, put the team name and put it on a board. And there's teams that will have these boards. They'll do it up on a nice board and you can just, you know, pencil in the, the scores as they go. It, And they'll do like the, um, the, they'll group them into different pools, pool one, pool A, pool B, pool C, or whatever the pools are. And then they can give you another board for the playoff, which is really nice. It looks so clean. It looks professional and it makes a difference. I have had coaches. That's what we do. And I've had coaches come back and tell me like, wow, that's, it was, and it wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't, it's not a big expense at all. It doesn't cut into your profit much. And again, it adds to the experience when you, this is why you can charge more. Sometimes when you start get doing this more often, people remember, wow, and like when you, you think about this. I know it's these little small things, but everything adds up, you know, the music, The way that the courts are set up, the way that your staff is running it, the 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 type of board, all these little little things add to the experience that they're gonna that they're gonna you know go through at the tournament. So make sure that that is set up. All right. So we talked about refs, staff, music, venue. Um, Now also another thing that you can consider, and this is more of a newer. Ideal that I've played with, and it is very, very. uh, It's good when it works, and there's a lot of different ways of doing this. Social media. How do you implement social media at your tournaments? Okay, you could do many, one, a lot of things. Remember how you have your staff that's at a tournament? Well, one of your staff members can be responsible for taking some clips from each match and putting it on your story. You could create. Uh, like if you have, if you're the club hosting this event, if you're a club or if you're your team on your team, social media, on your club, social media, you can throw these all in your story and tag teams that are participating. Cause guess what's going to happen. Those teams are probably going to repost that tag on their social media and more people will be aware of the tournament that they're attending and more people will be, will be aware of your tournament which, again, creates that demand for going into your tournament. They go, wow, this is a great tournament. It's on social media. They see it. And all of a sudden, they start asking questions. They want to know more about it. And they're going to start seeing how everything's organized, and they're going to start seeing some play and the flags and the ref, and they're going to, start, you know, they're going to see all these great things. So <laughs> social media is fantastic to use. Another thing you may consider is live streaming some of it. Maybe not all of it, but maybe you live stream the finals, right? Because there's only one court, so that one court is going to have a staff of for, but the rest of the staff isn't there, so they can come help. And you live stream it on your Instagram or Facebook page, the finals. Now, that's kind of cool. Other people in the in your region or other people who know these teams or other people tuning in, they'll be like, you can say, you can put on your story, live stream finals at 5 p.m. or whatever, and then you have the finals going. All right, something else that is different but very easy to do. In our age, you just need a cell phone and a and a tripod and a social media account. And that's it. No fancy bells and whistles. And if you want to take it a step further, you can, but I'm not even going to begin to talk about taking it a step further, but that's really all you have to do. Okay. So another thing that now this isn't really to add to the experience of the tournament, but I do want to throw it in there. Uh, snack bars, raffles, things like that are definitely good to have at the tournament because you can generate some money. You can definitely generate stuff selling water bottles, selling, you know, like little like simple things like snack bar. Right? The snack bar. You can sell, you know, whatever you want at, at the snack bar. That definitely you can definitely make some money that way. And the raffles are always good too, because you'll get people that buy the raffles. They can do like a 50-50 draw. Um, and those are always nice. Now, here is another one that I think is really cool, and it adds to the experience of the matches. So the person that's doing the score sheet, remember. You have two people at the at the table. You have one that's doing the score sheet and one that's flipping. So the one that's flipping the score um, the, the scoreboard, their job is very simple. So they could they always help the one that's doing the score sheet. So above the score sheet, now remember, you're only you're not keeping track of rosters and all that stuff. You're just keeping track of rotation and points, right? Just like a regular score sheet. Rotation and points. So what you do is you modify the score sheet just a bit. And you include stats. And more importantly, two stats. So a nice little thing you can do at the end of the tournament or at the end of each match is if you're giving a copy of the score sheet to any of the coaches, which you, which you can, on the score sheet, you're going to have some stats on it as well. Now, can you imagine as a coach going to a tournament? Now, most coaches keep their own stats, but regardless, some a lot of coaches don't. Especially at exhibition tournaments, they may not have the you know the the power to do it because they may they may be, they may be by themselves. And if you're by yourself, you don't have you can't keep stats and do it. So what I would say is, imagine as a coach, if you, after the match you got the score sheet and and some stats saying these were your, these were your like per set, this was your serve receive errors and this was your serving errors, or these were your aces serve receive errors, like anything to do with serve and serve receive you got the errors. And you may say, well, that's so much work. How are we going to keep track of the scoreboard, this and that, and stats on top of that? Man, that's a lot of extra work. Well, think about it. Is it really? So the person doing the score sheet, they're just ticking a check mark or a ticking off a, a number on the score. And then when someone loses rotation, they're putting the score of that rotation lost. If you're if you if, if you're a coach and don't know how to do the score sheet, really simple, when you're when in the middle of it, all you're doing is ticking and checking off things and, and then just writing in a score when someone loses their serve. Um, that's it. So, how much extra does it take for you to write at the top? You know, you have your serve, serve errors, serve, receive errors, right, on both teams. And anytime someone gets a serve, serve error, right, you're going to obviously do the regular score thing you do too, and then just an extra tick for serve error. Okay, if someone gets an ace, You're going to do your regular thing on a scorecard and just an extra tick for ace. And at the end, you can add them up and put a total of serve, receive errors and and aces at the end of the set. Doesn't take much time out of you, but that added extra, you know, extra, I don't I wouldn't call it gesture, but you know, what I'm trying to say that, that that extra feature of the match is fantastic. And coaches will appreciate that by just adding that extra element to make that tournament uh, a success. And one other thing too. So I, I'm giving you guys a ton of things here. I don't want. I don't want to keep you too long, but I, there's so much things that go into a successful tournament. But these are the big ones that I think are are unique and would stand out, and will make sure that people come back to your tournament. And and more importantly too, tell other people about what an experience they had at your tournament, so that your tournament can be the one that people want to go to. Okay. One um, other thing about uh, organizing as well. So the finals. Now I see this all the time. When the finals happens, no one no one everyone it's just on one court. Like you have three courts, it's just on maybe court A. Now, when you have the finals, normally the gym, the big gym that's split into two, it has a main court, which is like the main court where you can bring out the stands or whatever the case where there's a lot more space around there. You want to have a main court for the finals. Now you may be saying, "Well, what do, you, what do you mean? Oh, that, that's so much work. We got to take down the nets. We got we to gotta reorganize everything. It's going to take so much time. But here's the thing. It doesn't if you have your staff ready and waiting on standby and are organized into changing the court. So in my college gym, I can tell you, for example, when we are practicing, we have two courts we practice or three courts we practice on. But when we're ready to scrimmage, we sh- we shift and we change to one court. And my entire team has two minutes to get that done. And I time them. I'm like, all right, guys, your clock starts now. Go. And as a unit, they take down and they put up one net. So they just, you know, t- they take down their other nets, put the one net up, make sure everything's organized, make sure everything's put away in the in the cupboard as well. And they're right back on the court in two minutes. Why? Because we practice this. They know their job. That's what they'd have to do. Guess what? Same thing with your staff. If you want to do a practice run the morning of or the day before the, the tournament, do it, Be like, all right, set up two nets, okay guys, you have two minutes, go. And your staff that are responsible for to your tournament is all going to work together, boom, 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 move chairs, put it together, set up the new court, and you're done. Two to three minutes tops. Now, is two to three minutes of doing that worth it to give them an experience, a better experience for the finals? I think it is. They've worked so hard to get to the finals. And I know when you hit that final, it's a long day. People are trying to leave. They're trying to go home. But for an extra two to three minutes to give them that great experience of a big court, full court, you'll probably have more people, more uh, opportunity for people to sit and watch the game because chairs are going to be organized and things, like, and things like that. Maybe the stands can get pulled out more. That is a great way to finish off for the finals all right, when you do that, and again, it, it, when, you, when you think about it in the long way, it sounds like a lot of work, but if you have it organized, and your staff is ready to go, it is an amazing experience to have that full court for the finals, and the players, the players appreciate that, trust me, even the coaches appreciate that as well, especially if you get it down in two to three minutes, if it's going to take you, you know, 15 minutes to change it over, then yeah, of course they're not going to want it, that, that, that's a waste of time, because that's normally how long it takes people when they don't have it organized, but get it done, and you'll be good to go, okay, um and then in the finals, because there's only one game left and one court, this don't don't, don't think the staff members are off, okay? <clears throat> have your staff all there. And you can do a number of different things. You guys, you can have extra people for stats. So you can keep track of more stats. You're can have one person responsible for one team, one person responsible for the other team, and then they will give those those stats to the coaches at the end. You have your lines people, two people there. You have your down official and you have your score uh, score person. All right. So you still can add more elements, to make sure the stats are good. You can have someone live streaming the finals as well. You could even have commentary. Now, that, that's a little step further. And I know many of you are going to feel uncomfortable with that, but I'm just throwing it out there. It, it could be something possible with the extra people you have. All right. And I'll leave you with one more thing. This is a little bit of a longer episode than I expected it to be because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to running a, a successful tournament but I um, and there's a lot I, I, I didn't mention but these, these are the, just the, the main ones that you know I think are important but the the prizes at the end okay don't cheap out on the prizes don't this is an opportunity for your tournament to be able to get seen by many and, and kids can take things home or whatever t-shirts I get it t-shirts are cheap. They're easy. Kids are going to wear them around, and they're going to get your your, your tournament's going to get seen. So I absolutely think t shirts are fantastic. But give the kids something they can take home with them, a medal, a trophy. They it can be very inexpensive. You could even fundraise for the tournament to provide things. Yeah, I said that you can you can fundraise for the tournament, which is also a fundraiser. By getting things like that, talking to um, the the the, low, uh, the trophy company, see if they want to donate anything or whatever the case is, you know. Things like that. Getting people to donate prizes. You, know, you can reach out to parents within the club, within the community. Hey, I'm running a volleyball tournament. Would you be interested in donating a prize for the winners? Yeah. Things like that. Your tournament should have an MVP. Your tournament should have maybe... Um, I don't know, the most sportsman like player, right? Things like that your MV your tournament should have. Okay. Now, one thing that we've done also, and this is probably another thing I'm adding on, but at the end of every match, you have you can go to the head coaches and have them vote for an MVP. And and then that MVP can get something at the end of every match. So at the end of every match, there's always an MVP of that match. And they can vote for someone, and they can give it to them, and you, give, uh, you can give a T-shirt, you can give a little prize, whatever the case is. Again, it adds to the experience of your athletes and coaches. So at the end of every match, someone gets something, right? And that's easily fundraising. I guarantee you, when you talk to parents, when you talk to uncles and aunts and friends and family and get out, you can, someone donate something. You'd be surprised how many people would, would be willing to donate just something that they, you know, feel anything. could be anything, just a prize. Alright, sometimes maybe a gift card, money, go to restaurants, go to community things, you'll get people to donate stuff. So on that note, I'm just gonna summarize here real quick. <clears throat> we talked about referees, the importance of having referees. Great referees, make sure they're vetted, make sure they're you know they're they're people, they, they they enjoy they enjoy communicating with people. Good staff. See how important the staff is? Super important, just like the ref. Music talked about the venue raffles and snack bars and things like that be making sure they're on time for you know recording the score we talked about social media stats prizes the and the one court for the finals okay and there's a lot of in there are a lot of things in all that 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 we kind of dove into as well so i hope you can take some of these things and you can start thinking about planning your next tournament and how you're going to make it all work because what happens is once you once you start doing these tournaments, your tournament is going to be the one to go to. Okay, coaches, I wish you the best of luck. If you would like to work with me more um, and pick my brain and get more ideas, uh, I welcome you to join Digital Volleyball Academy. Um, it's actually closed right now, but you can join the waitlist by going to www.digitalvolleyballacademy.com and join that waitlist and uh, you will be notified when doors are open. And if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, real simple, it's my mentorship program where I get a chance to help coaches all around the world by providing my resources. You get access to myself in the gym, you get access to all my courses that I've produced online in addition to getting on calls with me where I can actually coach you. So it's a great place where coaches can grow together and really, really help grow this game as well so digitalvolleyballacademy.com to join the waitlist for that other than that I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast take care alright cue the music look